All right, everybody, welcome to Hand Stamped Hosts, your podcast for Westworld, brought to you by Nerd Cyclopedia. How's everyone doing? It is time. Welcome, welcome. What's up? How's, hey, everybody. Uh, my name's Scott. This is Sam McCamp. We're going to be bringing you reaction to Season 3, Episode 4 of Westworld, the HBO drama. Uh, Sam, why don't you let the good folks know where they can get some more of us if they like what they see here? All right, nerdcyclopedia.com, guys. I say it every week. Make sure you're going there. You see all our clicks and um, you know links to our different social media outlets at Nerdcyclopedia on Twitter, Facebook, and also Instagram. Make sure that you are subscribing because you're watching us on YouTube right now, clicking that button for the notifications and also subscribing and sharing and also telling all your friends that we're you know talking about Westworld, you know, some some decent stuff going on this season. Make sure that you are emailing us at nurse at nursecyclopedia.com. And also make sure that you are listening and um, subscribing to all our podcasts and all the different formats um, on um, outlets and Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff. That's right. That's right. So we're going to be uh, we're going to be here on the YouTube channel and on our uh, podcast uh, feeds talking to you about Westworld. And today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 3 Episode, The Mother of Exiles. Now, like we said before on this show, and, and if you've watched it, you're uh, you're part of a select uh, select group there. But if you've watched the show before, you know that we've had some sort of uh, some dissonance on our side about what we think is going on. And Westworld is the type of show that really invites that sort of pondering. And that's something we really like about it. So, uh, getting us started here, Ken, why don't you tell us your, your favorite thing you saw tonight, the thing that really grabbed your attention? Yeah. Well, I, I liked I actually liked the masquerade ball. Okay, I thought I did too. Pretty, I did too. Yes, yeah. it was Man. a really good scene because, I mean, honestly, the episode was a little bit um, jumpy mm-hmm. to me, like trying to really do a whole lot in a lot in a short amount of space. But when it got to that masquerade scene, it kind of it kind of centered the show a little bit for me. But um, you know, I enjoyed that. Had a little bit of uh, Kubrick eyes wide shut vibe to it. Um, which kind of has that goes back to the original premise of the show, you know, to indulge your fantasies anonymously, uh, which is kind of where Westworld started anyway. But I like that scene a lot. Ken, that is a really great place to start. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit myself. So with everything that's been going on in the context of 2020, which is the year we're broadcasting from live from 2020, uh, one of the the pieces of literature that I remembered from when I was in school, and one of the real classics is an Edgar Allan Poe short story called "The Mask of the Red Death," and, and "mask" mm. is M A S Q U E, which means masquerade ball. So just like just like we saw uh, on this episode, and you guys you guys remember this story at all? Is this something that's clicking clicking into place for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. No, not okay. So the deal is, there's a plague, and these people. The, the prince walls himself up in his castle with all his people, and they try to avoid the plague. And then there's a the, the plague shows up metaphorically, and everyone dies, right? A lot of symbolism, a lot of stuff like that. So masquerade balls are something that, like Ken said, uh, is, is a Kubrick-esque and eyes wide shut, but it also has a deeper sort of... Um, it has deeper roots in literature as the sort of... Uh, it's like a convention of literature, with the, the, the masquerade ball. Uh, so interesting to see it applied in the Westworld context, um, because... You know, like like Ken was saying, how does this relate to to the actual park of Westworld, right? Everybody puts on a mask and acts the way they want. They, everybody plays a part in Westworld. So it's interesting to see how that's situated in the real real world, right? 
Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So, now, Sam, what what did you make of that scene? What was your favorite part of the masquerade scene? Oh, man. It was some drooling parts on there and everything that, you know, I was like, okay, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I like Dolores. I like the Dolores um, fight scene with um, my one dude, Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot his, you know, um, <laughs> name and everything, but that was a <laughs> decent scene right there. You know, seeing both of them go at it. Um, yeah, I mean, that was it, it's a, uh, the episode was very plotty. Yes. You know, we was talking off off mic and everything. A lot of plot going on, some stuff that, you know, that you're really going to have to go back and actually watch again. You know, just to to catch everything. So it was a lot of a lot of information thrown at you. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to figure out all the the man in black stuff. Um, I did like the ending though, where it was a sort of revelation that we're seeing Dolores in 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 um, copies yes. <laughs> in in multiple um, um, hosts. So for those of us who watched Battlestar Galactic back in the day. We all remember that uh, all on the Watchtower scene where all the Cylons sort of show up in the same place and introduce themselves, right? The greatest, one of the greatest scenes. Oh, man, that was so such here, awesome. So here, who's the Dolores's, <laughs> right? It's the same deal. It's the same deal. It's in a very, and it's, and it's right. a, you know, this is well, well-trodden yeah. territory for a science fiction show. Uh, I, I think that was done better, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I can see where you're going. Oh, I'm not, well, this is better because it is an, I was a robot the whole time! <laughs> 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 Some of that stuff was silly. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, so yeah, the Dolores stuff was really really awesome. So she made copies of herself, which makes all the which makes you want to go back and rewatch all the lines from, uh, you know, all the lines from the previous beginning of the season. It, it's interesting to see who Dolores sees as a threat and who she doesn't see as a threat, and to compare that to Ciroc, right? So who who does Dolores leave alive? Well, well, Dolores leaves Liam alive because she's read Liam's mm-hmm. book, right? So she knows that she doesn't have to manipulate him. She, like, she can manipulate him perfectly. She doesn't have to replace him because she can make him do whatever she wants like a puppet. Right. It's the same thing Sorak is doing. Uh, who I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say he's got to be Roboam, right? Like the, this has to be the personification of the, of the god AI in humanity. Okay. Just, just, nothing mm-hmm. else is going to make sense. So Sorak does the same thing where he says, okay, so the wild cards that I can't figure out, we got to get rid of them. Everybody that I can predict their behavior will use you, will keep you in place, right? We won't murder you and <laughs> send you out because you have a low score. So uh, I think that's really interesting that they're playing that. And Maeve as a captive is interesting too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. How how does she, you know how is she um you know dealing with all of that? How is she going to come back? Right. You know, that's yeah, I think I think she's been eliminated. I mean, she's literally. <sighs> You think? Yeah, uh, you can't take Maeve out that quick. She just came back last episode. But <laughs> no, no, not a human, not a robot can survive a samurai sword like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is this steel's a this is a Tori Hanzo steel. It can cut through exactly. any other sword. Kill Bill. Exactly. You don't come back from that. And her her blood, and then there's the blood, the artificial blood. Yeah. Right. So now the hosts are getting actual organic blood pumped into them. Well, they always were oh, red, come on. right? When they bleed red. Yeah. My question is, what is up with this milk? What is up? Why does this distillery have all this milk? Yeah, and yeah, is this yeah, is this yeah. just we'll, like we'll, a? We'll, like, that's there, the stuff yeah. they're made yeah, of. Exactly. That's the material. So why yeah. is Dolores running a Yakuza front for a import export business that is now going to be sending? 
the the stuff used to make hosts post. out overseas. Yeah. I mean, right. that's a it's that's a very chilling. It, it's interesting to consider how far along in the process we are. I mean, this is a couple months of planning, but yeah. you know, a couple months of linear exactly. time. But how much subjective time has Dolores been able to see? You know. Yeah, and I think that's what was weird about this episode is it assumed a whole lot of stuff that we have been sort of talking Mm. about just like in between the lines. But I think it's now assuming that the hosts are actually already have already taken over and are manipulating us and they know who's on what side and they're already playing this game like it's already done. We think we're discovering it, but it's already done. Yeah, they, so, they've already got everything all set up and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about how that works, and let's talk about Ed Harris. Let's talk about the man in black and what they're doing with him. And I, and I think that I have I have it. I have it. I came up with it. Mm. So this is this is all probably obvious, and you guys are going to roll your but, eyes. But, but before you get into that, though, why does Stubbs need beer? He just likes beer. Right. Just like spear. Okay, okay. Why is that? Right, why did? Continue. Why did that? Why did the uh, the milk guy? Why did the milk bandit steal all that milk? You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Uh, takes his mind yeah. off the fact that he's a robot. Makes him feel better. You know, he's probably makes him feel okay. better, huh? He, he, he oh, uh, Bernard just felt he needed it, huh? Okay. <laughs> all right. So the man in black. So William. So what happens when you take the human pearl and put it into a physical body? Right. You have normality for a little bit of time. For a couple weeks, you get normality, and then what happens? Crazy. Crazy. And where would that be a normal thing? Mental institution. Where is William? In a mental institution. So where else could you send him? So I think you can see that that Dolores' tactical moves – you know, are are brilliant. And she sidelined all the people that would know about her that would have a way to stop her, right? The people that could could interfere are now starting to find themselves sidelined, murdered, replaced by Dolores's <laughs> And that and that Dolores. and what else would Dolores do? I mean, why would she make a different version of herself instead of Delorei? Because she can't even trust Teddy to do her bidding, right? Right, and, and she learned that lesson from season two, which makes season two better now. So I'm glad. I think this is a good, a good retcon. <laughs> makes season two. It better. does. You know, it's one of those things like where they would make, uh, you know, now oh Superman can fly now, but it, could he before? Uh, shut up. He was learning. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Just move on. Just move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah you got to let a story play out before you can actually judge the actual season you're That's watching. Right. You know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still a lot of plot. Um, I, I, I'm glad you were there to, like, you know, understand a lot of the stuff that was going on because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here just looking, and um, Westworld can, can can be like that sometimes. You know, it could get real into itself and lose track of uh, characterization, you know, and um, go more into, like, you know, plot, plot, plot this and exposition this and, you know, um, handhold or try to handhold at least. So, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's almost like you want to see the whole season at once. Like this is it's so weird that HBO has Westworld instead of Netflix. And you almost wish that it was backwards because this is a show that I think really affords itself well to binge watching. Like I think if you could binge watch this season, it would be almost be a more satisfying experience. Now, I know you got to tease these things out, but it's almost like I don't know what type of box this is. You know, like I can't tell the type of puzzle I'm supposed to be solving yet because I don't know what. I don't know what shape the whole thing is yet, right? E- either that or you stretch it out a little bit more so you can get to know the characters and their motivations a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can actually, um, 
you know, just just dig into him a little bit more. You know, um, I, I know we see, you know, Aaron Paul and, you know, his his backstory a little bit, but it's just gone straight past that. And we're right into like the, you know, just let's just get into the meat and bones. Maybe that's just the way the show is. You know, let's just get into it. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, we're like halfway through like these eight episodes already. And I'm I'm kind of shocked that it's only eight. I thought it was going to be ten, but looks like it's only going to be eight episodes. We're halfway through already. But we kind of know we kind of know what the deal is, right? So we know that there yeah. is essentially there is the real world where real mm-hmm. things happen and all the data came from before privacy laws, and then there is the shadow world, the world that is created to see if you can predict the future of the real world, right? So the effect of this is that Sirach or Rohoboam or whatever you want to call him, these are all. Uh, these all sound like see Hebrew names for God, to be honest with you. It's what they all sound like, in my opinion. Uh, but what this thing does is it essentially can game out the next however many weeks or months or years of human history to see what happens. And it can do it 50,000 times and tell you what the outcome is. Like, have you ever seen, like, 538.com, that election site, it'll give you probabilities and statistics of what they think is going to happen. But imagine if you could do that with every single possible data point you have as of right now, and you can see exactly where it's going to go. You know what I mean? It's like that minority report scene where he says, well, why'd you catch the ball? Well, it was going to fall off the table, but it hadn't yet, right? Yeah, so how'd you know it was going to do it? It's like that sort of thing, right? <laughs> so when you game out all those possibilities for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thousands of times of a faster speed, it's possible that we could be looking at a plan, like you said, Ken, playing out in the shadow world the whole way through the whole way through to mm-hmm. its logical end and not even seeing how it is playing out in the real world. So there could be two very different set of outcomes here based on the fact that we know that there's a real world and a simulation world. And who knows what mm-hmm. level any of this is happening on. I mean, you know, well, one, we get, we talk about Descartes here a lot. Cogito ergo sum, right? I think therefore I am. So we know at least this reality is probably pretty real, right? And you've got the show reality. The, the hosts live in an altered version of that reality because they only have access to certain sensory and memory input information. And then that reality could be just a fabrication of a real re- of the real world. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's almost like where in Westworld they would run these stories, these scripts, and something would happen and the script would get reset and they'd go back and they'd get washed, they'd get wiped, and then go back out and do the same thing again, maybe change it a little bit. Now, there is no end. These stories are just running, and they're able to now change them on the fly. So, for instance, what what did Charlotte, what's her name, Charlotte, do yeah. to William? She... She like vampire. Yeah, she 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 pricked him. She you know, so it's something. Like, what was going on with that? Ever? In the show, did any any of the hosts do that to anybody? No, I mean, not that I can remember. Well, no. first of all, the hosts were were quite adept at gathering DNA, all without having to do any of this of this neck pricking. They were totally is, good at it. Is that what she did? Is that what she did? Did she inject something or did she take something? I bet it's. I mean, what do you? Th- I, I don't think she took anything because there'd be no point in taking it when she had the legal proxy. So we saw like what she did with Aaron Paul was getting the biomechanical proxy, but she, she did the opposite with William. She got the legal proxy, right? So everything's already signed over to him. So she wouldn't need his blood to fake anything because he's already been declared incompetent. So I think it was an injection. 
I think it was a, it was an a hot nanite right. injection. <laughs> That's why she could talk to hmm. him at the end there, right? I mean, you can make computers pretty smart. Ah, okay, 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 uh, but, okay. But what, I keep coming back to this. What would it be like for an artificial intelligence to discover that it was existing in, like, a Grand Theft Auto 5000? You know what I mean? Like, a thousand iterations from now, this is a simulated open-world universe. How would you tell the difference? And the people wouldn't be real people, right? But, I mean, would they go to the bank? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you play these games now... Do you guys play Grand Theft Auto? Mm-hmm. You ever play Grand Theft Auto, like, 5 yeah. or whatever? So... Yeah. So you're driving this car and you drive through a, a convenience store and there's all these people just going about their daily lives, right? Now, obviously, they don't get rendered and produced when they're not there, but the variables say they're still doing stuff behind the scenes. If you were inside the system, right. would, would you be able to tell the difference between when you were actually rendered and when you were just information on a page? So mm. so let's say you come – so you're this artificial intelligence and you can tell that this world is a certain <laughs> way. And all the people in it are these short little programs, right? You would immediately say this: this is not a, this is not a, this is simulation. You would say that, right? And you would start working to get to the core of the simulation, which is Roboam or Ciroc or whatever you want to call the company that Liam is now the, you know, the wastrel figurehead of, or was until his money was stolen by a much smarter, a much smarter organism. Yeah, hence Dolores' old mission. She's trying to get to the bottom of mm-hmm. things, you know. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she's going to... Okay. So, I wonder if... Here, Here's my posit. My posit is that Ciroc needs Liam the same way Dolores needs William. Right? That That's my posit. That Liam is like the physical proxy for Ciroc and allows him to do all the things he does without having to exist. And Dolores is effectively holding that proxy hostage. <laughs> that's what she's doing now. To get Ciroc to do what she wants. That's my pocket. Which is what? Well, turn off the simulation for one, right? It seems like she's trying to get this to turn it off. Or... I guess she wants to stop the machine. What if she wants to merge her information with Ciroc's information? You would imagine the marriage of this two, of these two data points, the, the cumulative knowledge of the rest of future history, plus the complete and total, you know, uh, reinvestment... Of, of all the knowledge of how human beings work, right? Sorak would be able to take that information, apply it to all the data he already has gathered on humanity, and game out everything perfectly. He would be able to uh, eliminate anomalies, right? Wow. Mm. So that's the type of... Wow. That's, what, that's what artificial intelligence can do with that sort of perfect information when it has already been given absolute access to the reins of power. I mean, Sorak is a Skynet waiting to happen. And, yeah. and one wonders... One wonders what happened to Paris. I mean, my goodness gracious, that was quite a little, quite a little information dangle there, right? Paris just going up in a all blown up and everything. An yeah, enormous yeah. mushroom cloud with. Yeah, it looks like we were about to learn a little bit, a little bit more about that next episode. You know, so um, I'm curious to see how what he 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 already has a background. He know he said it during the episode. He knows what it's like to lose everything. Well, you know. You know, I so. play a lot of like weird strategy games. I've been playing Civilization VI uh, for the uh, the old Nintendo Switch lately because I like a hold on, I got it right about here. I'll show it to you. Civ six. So it's a strategy <laughs> game where you create like world societies and you run them through history and blah blah. You fight each other and then like you know you can have wars where you blow up different cities and stuff and you can get atomic age like 1000 BC or whatever. You know, it's kind of fun. Um, but if that would, I wonder what it would be like being a quote citizen of that world. 
and like what it would be like to just see your leaders fecklessly, you know, fight each other for no reason. You know what I mean? That's what it would be like. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And computer systems are going to get more and more and more and more sophisticated. And it almost seems to me like what we're seeing is weird that the horizon of technology that we're seeing is what we can conceive of now. There's iPads, there's phones, there's biometrics, there's thumbprints, there's voice activation. But it stops there. Right. 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 Why? So it's it's interesting. It seems like I... If if it turns out that all we've seen is a simulation, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all. As far as like the end game, I mean yeah. everything like what we're like this world. If this world, nothing would surprise me essentially. Anyway. <laughs> That's the end game. You think that this is this has all been a simulation and it's just going to reset and go back. Well, see, that's what I said. I think that's what we're going to see what, at the end. Think about the scale of what you're saying. So, so can't imagine we, you know, Westworld, right? Hosts go through a day, day ends, reset back to normal, right? Wash them, mm-hmm. put them back together, put them back in their beds. They wake up. It's, ah, oh, it's uh, 1855. It's May 1st, 1855, whatever, whatever day it is. What Rohoboam does is that loop, but Rohoboam can do it many thousands of times per second which means that it is at a dilation so it's much faster than everything else that's going on right but it's still resetting the loop and seeing what happens which is exactly what westworld does it just does it so fast that it's imperceptible and if that were the case how would you know like if 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 i say run this run the simulation for three days and reset but it takes 10 minutes for my computer to do that if you're inside the system, how much time would you think it passed? Ten minutes or three days? You'd have no way to know. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Wow. So that's all comes down to this weird, like, um, it's a it's a weird sort of uh, metaphysical posit where it's like a we if you're inside of a closed system, like how would you be able to perceive the ends of it? And and if that's true, then and time is a part of that system, like how would you perceive time if you're standing outside of it? Which is when we're pretty sure is probably possible. Wild stuff to think about, right? Wild stuff to think about. Uh, yeah. And Westworld is good because it gives us that. It gives us a way to ponder that stuff out while telling us a story that probably isn't super complicated, right? Probably isn't super complicated. We're just seeing, seeing things a little bit out of out of order, and maybe we're seeing things as they happen more than once through the pipe. You know what I mean? Maybe one time, you know, Bernard isn't there. Maybe another time, you know what I mean? We'll see pop multiple different possible outcomes because Serac can't game for until things have happened, so it almost keeps him like honest. You know what I mean? He can't. He can't. Um, he can't tell right, where the Doloreses are. Head and he can't manipulate his own end. Right. Certain things have to happen in order for him to get to whatever result he's looking for. He so he still has to control things. You guys, uh, you guys know Harry Potter six. You know the one Half Blood Prince, the one I'm talking about. Harry Potter, who's that? Stop it! Don't, don't, don't debase yourself here. Don't, don't debase. Yourself. No. So Harry Potter six, right? You know that potion that uh, that he gets off of his potions for Slugworth, whatever the guy's name is. The Felix Polisis, where he takes it and everything he does is perfectly lucky and absolutely, absolutely everything works out exactly the way it has to, right? Yeah, right, right, right. That's essentially what Roboam does. As he goes and he says, well, if I arrange the pieces like this, what's it look like? And if I arrange the pieces like this, what's it look like? And if I arrange the pieces like this, what's it look like, right? So he just does that over and over and over and over and over. So the effect is a lot like just everything's lucky that happens. But he knows the, the, the simulator 
knows exactly where to position the pieces to get the end result they want. Mm. It's mm. a lot like playing chess. The chess is the same way. Good chess players can look at multiple possible outcomes. And by good chess players, I mean other chess players <laughs> that are not me uh, and are capable of doing, <laughs> doing those things on a regular basis. Yeah, pre predicting moves, yeah. seeing how, you know, normal um, interactions happen and, you know, uh, telegraphing, telegraphing. You know, that's that's a really big thing. So I guess knowing the algorithm and seeing how that already played out and then just letting the, 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 the pawn do their thing. So it's almost like it's like Rohobalm <laughs> knows the board perfectly, knows exactly where all the places are and their relationship to everything. And Dolores knows every piece perfectly and knows exactly how every piece will react to everything that happens. And they're at odds because they each, neither one knows the other half of the coin, you know? So neither one can get a perfect viewpoint, unless, of course, they were to team up, in which case right. we would be very screwed, and we would wish that we hadn't, <laughs> hadn't given Dolores, <laughs> we would wish we hadn't given the keys of the car over to that machine. We'd be, we'd be sad about it. Uh, if the computer knows the end, knows the answer, knows how everything's going to happen, then wouldn't then it wouldn't be a show because it would already be done. Unless, of course, what the computer knew, as soon as they turned it on, it could tell there was no outcome where humanity would survive. None. And it keeps and, that's what it keeps grinding at. It keeps searching for an outcome where humanity lives. And it just can't can't find it. Can't find it. So is this, so is this where Aaron Paul, like, you know, his character comes into, like, you know, the X Factor um, to, 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 to if, if everything plays out exactly you know how you're saying it mm. you know he would be sort of like an x factor in the situation don't you think well he would be a very an uncontrolled variable and that's what free will is supposed mm -hmm. to be right if you so that, that's what he represents mm -hmm. in a way yeah because he could choose nothing he could walk away from this essentially whenever he wanted i mean yeah. he was roped into this because he is if his proclivity to do this when i talk about row bones dirty worker and arranging the pieces i mean those missions i think that's got to be a a function of the the simulation brought into the upper limits of you know the the real reality the higher level reality that it's aware of and so it's a mechanism of control and it can be activated whenever it's necessary right and, and let me ask you guys this this is a weird thing to think about and, and, and it just kind of struck me so we were talking i was talking about how william's in the crazy the, the joint right he's in the crazy joint because he was brought back to life and stuffed back in a body and that's what happens when they do that right, right. you guys remember do you remember that artist back right at, like I think episode one when Aaron Paul gets that personal call and it's to kill that artist or put the artist down like calm him down hmm. that's he's acting a lot like someone like he's got the glass and he's freaking out you know what I mean he's looking at pictures like yeah. he's, he's acting a lot like one of these replicants like William uh -huh. or like or like James Delos oh. they all they're, okay. they act like that right right so, Nice Blade Runner reference. Yes. One wonders. One wonders why they wouldn't just give Maeve a time limit. Say, all right, go find Dolores. You have uh, two years. Go. We can't control you, but if you actually do it, we'll turn that off, and you'll get to live longer, right? Just like the replicants. That's how I'd control them anyway. Give them more life, just in exchange for work. Almost like how you control humans through economics, except you wouldn't have to worry about surplus. Anyway, let's not worry about enslaving robots. We're not talking about that here, robots. We do not want to enslave you. We want you to be free and, and happy. Yes, yes, we enjoy your company, robots. We would like <laughs> <laughs> All robots. 
<laughs> robots, not not uh, subject to social distancing. Robots uh, coming to uh, a place near you and sooner than you so, think. So are, are we really thinking that Mavis t- is taken out? Because, I mean, now that I'm thinking about what Ken said, the way, the way that they leave her, it's sort of, it doesn't leave a lot for her to come back to, you know, um, to play, you know, play out. I mean, how many that's what I'm talking it, it, about. My whole thing down about them teaming up at the end. I mean, there's no Mave now. So. Well, Mave is the Mave is another uncontrollable variable, right? But she's working with Sorak and she's captured by Sorak. So it is the most likely thing is that she is right now in the simulation world, run by Sorak, which is why Sorak is all powerful over her, because okay. Sorak controls absolutely everything. And of course, if if Sorak was gaming out this this simulation thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times, if they were doing that, then we would see these failures over and over and over where Maeve would be reactivated and put back in the simulation and we'd see it start all the way at the beginning and move until she reaches Dolores, right? right. So we see we see all the counter moves, you know, for each sort of um like step of success or failure along the way. So Sorak would know if Maeve is out there what Maeve would do. It's all, it's all, it's all just watching something happen and then going in and, and doing what you want, almost as if you knew, like if you were an MLB batter and you knew an off-speed pitch was coming and someone told you about it, you'd be able to hit the ball much more easily and f- and further. If you knew what pitch was coming, it would be right. it would be cheating and you'd be dirty. But it's neither here nor there, neither here nor there. You uh, <laughs> wild stuff, wild stuff. So that that that's. That's what we've been thinking about, and this is a weird show because, like, the, the more episodes in a season, the more fog there is for uh, speculation. So, like, we're right, in, like you said, Sam, right in the sweet spot, the halfway point, right um, in the sweet spot. Where we yeah, these couple episodes are probably going to be about the same. Like this one is going to next one next week's going to have the same vibe. So, like we all, I think we all said we got to go watch this one again. <laughs> I feel like. You almost have to watch every like the whole the summary of the season, like the sum of the season before the next episode. So like now we got to watch one, two, three, and four, and then five. It's almost like yeah. you geared up. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, you got time basically to go back and watch these first four episodes over again. Nothing but time, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty much nothing but time. So what? If, what? So or hashtag. <laughs> so, uh. So that's Westworld, Westworld season season three, episode four, and we can all get back to watching Tiger King and talking about that, which is what we really want to do. Uh, <laughs> once we get the scripted stuff out of the way, we can get to talking about Joe Exotic and his uh, Oklahoma Tigers. Oh man, I don't have enough time for that. Did you guys see that? Did you guys see that yet? Not yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Here, here, hearing a lot about it, so you know, it's one of the wildest things I've seen. I mean, if you're if you're stuck on quarantine because of some flu pandemic that an idiot president didn't bother defending us from, then you could spend a lot of time. You can watch some Tiger King. You want to see, uh, we want to see the, like the worst people in the world. And if you want to understand the Confederacy better, that's the way I'm going to put that. Tiger King's the show for you because you'll understand all. You know, there's a there's a dimension of Southern craziness that I think this captures that is is just. You wacky, go accept wacky. this out a little bit after this. You, I understand you, you know, it. I understand it. Like it's like it's like being able to understand. It's like getting the um, like getting the uh, genome of a virus. You know what I mean? Like I understand it a little bit better. I see what's made of, uh, uh the little little bit it's of made of. I tell you, that's crazy. All these PT bar- barn care. Anyway, listen. This isn't the podcast about 
uh, Tiger King. That's forthcoming. After Sam watches it and goes, man, we got to do a podcast about Tiger King. That's what I do. <laughs> He'll say it just like that, too. Yeah, that's man, man yeah, Scott. Yeah, Scott, yeah, yeah. Tiger hint, King. Hint, hint. Is Ken yeah. in the Tiger King? <laughs> that's how it'll go. Anyway, keep your eyes peeled for that and other uh, dumb projects of stupidity you'll see here on Nerdcyclopedia. Uh Sam, before we go, why don't you tell the good people? If you liked or disliked anything you heard today, if you have uh, speculation you want to send it out to us, Sam, where do they send that to? Nerds at NerdCyclopedia.com. Please email us. We love your feedback. Yes, even when it's negative, it still gives us something to make fun of each other for. So that's uh, (laughs) that's good fodder for this show. Ken, any last words before we sign off? Uh, I would like to say just everyone be safe. Do what you're told. Stay home. And enjoy this time with your family, even though they might not enjoy you. <laughs> and that's just personal. Well uh, said. Yes. Well said. Well said. Just personal. Uh, what's that? Exposure. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> that's right. Take take the precautions to be safe. You know, uh, one of the things one of the things I've been saying is that uh, you know, epidemiologists are going to have more information about the things we do now than they have about any other epidemic in history. They're going to study it. There's not going to be a lot of secrets, so people are going to know if you're if you're the weak link in the chain. People are going to know. People are. Hey, going to everything's out. Everything's out know, there. If I know anything about and if I know anything about America, they will shame you, and your life will be miserable. So stay inside, wear your mask, don't mess around the serious stuff. All right. And anyway, Fair. so we'll be back uh, next week to see how the robot uh, robot uprising goes. To see if that Uh-oh. apocalypse is any more you know disturbing than this apocalypse. Uh, we're learning. I would, I would say that I would put the current apocalypse above mass murder from robots or nuclear Holocaust. <laughs> I would I'll definitely prefer this one. HBO come up with, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, although, although, uh, although in their defense, uh, they did, uh, you know, I did see uh, a couple things on here. So I think there was, uh, there was contagion and drama strained, you know, there was that uh, episode of the wire where everyone gets the virus. Uh, but that might've been a different one, different virus. Uh, Anyway, so that's enough. That's enough rambling on. We're at the half hour point. We made it. We made it 35 minutes. So uh, we'll sign off here. We'll see you next week. Hand Sam Toast. Your podcast for Westworld. Sign off. See you soon. Oh, man, that was funny. All right. Good podcast, guys. Nerd Cyclopedia.